Welcome to Veterans Air, the Veterans Hour. I'm your host, Douglas B. My co-host, Dangerous Dan, the bug-killing man, is currently on special assignment, so you be careful out there. Well, as always, before we get started on this show today, I have to do some, some light housekeeping and let you know that you can listen to us live the first Tuesday of every month here on your Lone Star Community Radio, FM 104.5 or 106.1. Or do I have that reversed? I don't know. Find us. You also can find us on the Lone Star Community Radio website and listen to us at veteransair.us on our archives page. You can contact us on our Google phone at 936-344-3083 or better yet, drop us an email to info at veteransair.us or Douglas B or Dan at veteransair.us and we'll get right back to you. Listen, we got a big show for you today, huge as a matter of fact, so I guess it's good that Dan's not here to, to stop me from my ramblings. The title of our show today is The U.S. Government Has Declared War on Chronic Pain Patients. Now, I tried to boost this on Facebook, but was unable to because they just don't like me talking about certain things. So, Facebook, if you're listening to me, thanks for the help. I appreciate it. Make it difficult for me to give you money. Hey, listen, before we get into why the U.S. government wants us to be in pain, um, I need to do a couple of shout-outs to some uh, veterans out there that uh, just aren't aren't doing well. I want to uh, send a, a message out to Master Chief Pete. Master Chief, if you're listening, just do with the doctor's order. It's only five minutes of your morning. You're going to be okay, Master Chief. Diana Marie, listening to us all the way from Fort Walton Beach, Listen, you know when the Army said, be Army tough, be Army strong, they're talking about you. You got this, sweetie. I'm pulling for you. And lastly, to our fellow contributor and good friend, D.V. Tanya from, Bit, Bit, from Glitter Bitter. If you've been watching the uh, Veterans Air Facebook page, you'll know that Tanya was viciously, viciously assaulted, ambushed, by the garage concrete floor and a rolled up rug. She broke her hip. They gave her a new one. And this is why I'm not in the studio, but I am in downtown beautiful Corpus Christi because Divi Tanya is laid up in rehab and someone's got to take care of the apex predator posse with frou-frou tails, and that'd be me. Listen, we're gonna talk about two things today. We're gonna talk about the wall and the government shutdown because they're they're, they're one. And we're also going to talk about this opioid crisis and what it means to me and you. Um, the government shut down. That's not unusual. It should make every American boiling mad that the government shuts down. Um, but what I found interesting in this is a newly elected representative, Representative Dan Crenshaw. He is a disabled veteran, a former Navy SEAL, a highly decorated war veteran of this country. And when the government shut down, and Congress still gets paid, by the way, when the government shut down, he penned a letter to the Secretary of Treasury. And this letter basically said, listen, my people have sent me here to work for them. I can't work for them, so you do not pay me. And the blogosphere went crazy over this. It was all a Twitter over what this young congressman did, said, don't pay me, I can't work. And a handful of other congressmen jumped on the, the boat train and said, oh yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll donate 
our pay to some charity. Yeah, right. Let's talk about that shutdown for a second. No, more for a minute. When President Trump was campaigning to become president, he made a bold campaign promise. And that promise was he was going to secure the southern border and build a border wall. And Mexico was going to pay for it. So he got elected. He started doing what he promised to do. And things generally are looking much better in this country, economically wise. But nobody likes him. That's okay. You don't have to like the president, but he's still your president. He asked Congress for $5.7 billion to build a wall along the southern border. Congress said no. He said, okay, send me a budget, but if it doesn't have any money for, you know, the border wall, I'm not signing it. And thus the government shut down. Now, if you did not know this, here's going to be something new for you. If the president vetoes a bill, which they, the, the budget would be, Congress can then therefore go back and vote on it again. And if they get enough votes, it becomes law. Because the president is a president, he's not a king. But it appears that we have a king and queen in Congress. Yes, I am talking about Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi and her puppet, Chuck Schumer. All hail President Pelosi. This is not the way the United States works. Here's something really that may be shocking to y'all. The United States is not a democracy. The United States is a constitutional republic. And that constitution guides our elected officials, and they're not leaders, the people that we say go work for us. It guides them on what they're supposed to do. In my opinion, Congress is not doing what it's supposed to do. They are not performing their job. So you know what? In my company, if you have a failure to perform, I kick your butt to the curb. I think we really need to consider kicking some butts to the curb. We need this wall. I was promised a wall and I want my wall. I was promised that Mexico was going to pay for this wall. So why is President Trump asking for $5.7 billion to build this wall? Well, I think that every thinking American realized that when he said it, Mexico was not going to come across and give the United States money to build a wall. But Mexico can pay for this. We need to get behind Senator Cruz, who's uh, penned a bill, which will never get voted on because it's politics. But he penned a bill saying all that money that we have seized from the Mexican cartels, let's use it to build the wall. That's how Mexico is going to pay for this wall. And you know what? If I have to pay for this wall, being a taxpayer, I'm okay with that. Secure my southern borders. That is your job, elected officials. That is the government's, the federal government's job is to secure the borders. You better read Article 4 of that Constitution. If you don't have one, I'll send you one. The government is going to shut down again in three weeks, less than three weeks, because Congress has said, we're not giving you any money for the southern border wall. You know what? 
There's still a lot of ways that he can do that, that the president can do that. I, for one, believe that we need to secure our borders. That is what we have a federal government for. That's what we have an army for. Secure our borders. That simple. Give me a wall. If walls don't work, then I think we need to take all those gated communities that see some of these politicians are living behind and tear down those walls. We need to take the walls that are around prisons and tear them down. We need to take the doors off of our front of our house. Because you know what? Walls don't work. Get real. I think America's tired of this. I think you're treading on something that's sacred to Americans. Their security. I think you're doing a disservice to all of America by not securing the borders and performing your jobs, Congress. There's my rant about the wall. Oh yeah, you can see me walking around downtown Conroe. I have a MAGA hat. That's right, I do. Got it for Christmas. Listen, as I said earlier, the title of the show is The U.S. Government Declares War on Chronic Pain Patients, Chronic Pain Sufferers. Now I'm going to tell you why I believe that is true. Why I say that's the thing that happened. Back in October of last year, the president signed a bill that was presented to him, and it is called the Support for Patients and Communities Act. It is Act Public Law 115-271. Go look it up on the Library of Congress.gov for yourself and read this. I did. Y'all ever try to read a law? Very, very, very confusing. Because it's not written in English. It's written, this sentence replaces this sentence in this other law. Well, it took me a while to figure this out. And it really didn't hit home to me until these veterans started contacting me with problems getting their prescriptions. And I'm saying, no, 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 no. You're a chronic pain sufferer. You're, it's documented. You're being treated for it. This opioid that you're taking is treatment for your chronic pain. And then I went to go fill my prescription. Yes, I did. And I came to find out that my doctor, who writes a prescription for 60 tablets of hydrocodone for the month, will only be filled for five to seven days. And then I have to go back to my doctor and say, fill it again. And wait. If you happen to be on Medicare, not Medicaid, Medicare, which you pay for, I personally pay $2,758 a year to be on Medicare. What this says is that, congratulations, we are now going to screw with you because we want you to be in pain. The federal government is telling me that it wants me to be in pain. Because here's what has to happen. You have to see a doctor, of course. And the doctor will evaluate you. And then by law, that doctor is required to educate you on opioids and their addictive properties. He is required by law to use other resources to fight your chronic pain. Other pain management 
treatments, if you will, physical therapy, biofeedback, water therapy, everything and anything so that you can't have an opioid. Now, I want you to understand the way that this law is written. This law is written not just for hydrocodone, Norcor, Lawtabs, fentanyl, whatever the hell you want. Can I say that word on, on the air? Too late. Whatever it is, it's any opioid. You get bronchitis, you get the flu, you go to the doctor, and he gives you some cough medicine with codeine in it. Guess what? <laughs> it's covered under this act. You are an addict because you're a chronic pain sufferer. This is the way that you will be treated by your doctor and the pharmacist because you're attempting to fill a prescription for an opioid. You are a dirtbag and an addict because you take an opioid for chronic pain. These are pretty harsh words. People right now out there are going, Doug, that can't be true. You're making that up. I'm not making that up. That's the honest to God truth. Here's a story for you. Here's a story for DV Tanya, who fell in and broke her, broke her hip and got a new one. She went into surgery, had the hip replaced. She comes out of surgery and they put her on this, uh, this pain, this nerve blocker. And they talk to us and they tell us what this nerve blocker is going to do. It's going to keep her out of pain because this, she broke her femur and they replaced it. Um, so this, this medicine, this nerve block medicine, they hook her up to the pain ball and each day they decrease it slowly and slowly and slowly. So the patient can get on top of the pain. You and I chronic pain sufferers out there. You and I know that we're never going to be out of pain. We just want something to take the edge off. What they did, instead of doing that correctly and, and, and decreasing it slowly after five days, they just gave her the same, same amount of, of, of pain medicine for five days and then stopped all pain medicine. Yeah, let me say that again. After five days, they discontinued any pain medicine. Why? Public Law 115, 271, Support for Patients and Community Acts. If you take opioids for more than five or seven days, you're an addict. You can have tramadol, by the way. You can have as much tramadol as you want. If, you're not, if you don't know what tramadol is, it's what I give to my cat. I'm a little upset over this law. I don't know if you can hear it or not in my voice, but I'm a little upset over this law. In, in, you need to understand where we as a society, as a community, as a country, need to understand that, yes, there is an opioid problem in this country. That opioid problem is not coming from the documented chronic pain patient that crisis is coming from people using things like fentanyl and let me tell you they're not getting these things from their doctor they're buying it on the black market and where is this fentanyl and heroin 
and everything opioid that you can put in your blood. How's it getting into this country? Oh, a wall on the southern border. That's right. See, now, just recently, a couple of days ago, U.S. Customs seized, I think it was something like um, 114 million kilos of fentanyl and fentanyl tablets and methamphetamine coming into this country, hidden in a tractor trailer coming through the port of entry. Now, if we had a wall all the way along our southern border, and the only way that you can get into the country is coming in through the front door. Do you think we might be able to stop that flow of drugs, of narcotics, of human slaves and human trafficking coming into this country? Yes, we would. If you stop and think about it, yes, we would. You might not like it, but the answer is we need a wall on the southern border. The answer is that we need to be smart and proactive in fighting this opioid addiction. Now, I'm just like you. I have no problem verifying my pain because you know what? It changes every year. Medical technology does not stay stagnant. It, our knowledge in medicine increases every single year. They may come up with something that I don't have to wither in pain. They might come up with something that I don't have to take an opioid just to function. Just to function. I take one to two opioid uh, hydrocodone tablets a day. One to two, depending on what I'm doing. If I'm mowing the lawn, because nobody will come over and mow my lawn, Dan, uh, I'll take an opioid. I'll take a hydrocodone. Because I know that I'm going to be in severe pain after I finish that. So I use my pain medication pretty much like all the other chronic pain sufferers do. They don't want to be on the pain meds. Because let me tell you, pain meds, opioids, are slowly killing you. Yes, they are. The opioids are killing your liver and your kidneys. That's right. They do. After 20 years, you're going to wake up one morning, doctor's going to tell you, guess what? You only have 50% liver function. That's because of the opioids. So we know this. We're thinking Americans. We're, we're involved with our treatments. But yet, we have people out there that are looking for the high. Let me tell you, if you're a chronic pain sufferer, you're not getting high from your pain pills. And if you are, you're taking entirely too much. You better get yourself some help. But we have people doing fentanyl, chewing these patches to get the high. These are the people that we need to target, not your chronic pain sufferer. We need to target the addicts. We need to target the pushers of this stuff. We need to target the countries that are being that are producing these drugs and getting them into the black market stream. Yes, we do. Anyone that knows me knows that I am a strong supporter of the veteran community and our brothers and sisters in uniform today. You also all know that I consider myself a, a, a constitutional conservative. 
Because as I say on every show, there's one law that governs this country, and that is the United States Constitution. And there's some things in that Constitution that we're not thinking about. First and foremost, you should understand that the United States Constitution it applies to, is applicable to, United States citizens only. Let me say that again. The Constitution applies to American citizens only. It doesn't apply to an illegal alien. It doesn't apply to a journalist from Saudi Arabia who submitted a handful of articles to the New York Times. These people do not have constitutional rights. Constitutional rights. There's the term for the day. The Constitution gives you no rights. Your rights are given to you by God Almighty. The Constitution set down that these are your rights and we're going to guarantee them in this country. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Me being in out of pain, me being out of pain, that's my pursuit of happiness. But let's look at this law a little bit more carefully here. When we read it, and then we start reading articles that are applicable to this law, we find out that a couple of things that are happening that you may not know about. Because I was shocked to know this. Did you know that when your doctor prescribes you an opioid, that the date and time and the amount of opioids that he prescribes to you is submitted to the federal government. And every time that you refill an opioid, your information, who you are, where you live, what's wrong with you, is submitted to the federal government. So Big Brother knows exactly how much you're taking of what. And Big Brother can cut that off at any time that he wants, and he effectively is doing it with this law. He is making it so difficult for you to get your chronic pain medication. But we as a people here in America, American citizens, over decades, have come to capitulate to whatever it is the federal government tells us to do. We've become complacent in our liberties and our rights. I, for one, have an issue with the federal government requiring my doctor to report my medicines to them, to the federal government. I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. But, Doug, the government already knows. Because if you're using Medicare or the VA system, of course they know how much medicine you have and what they're taking. You're already on a list. Yep. Doesn't mean I have to like being put on another list, does it? Because I capitulate to one evasion of my privacy does not mean I need to capitulate to every single one that comes along. This public law that we're talking about here, this, this Support for Patients and Community Acts, Public Law 115-271, 
the thought behind this, this law, was good. We needed some type of law, some type of, of guidance on how we are going to fight this opioid crisis. So Congress came up with this piece of legislation, passed through the House and the Senate, and was signed into law on October 24th, 2018 touted as the single largest bill to combat drug crisis in the history of our country, unquote, President Donald Trump. What this law was supposed to do, it was supposed to, to help communities, give resources to communities to fight the opioid addiction. Because we do something really, really stupid here in America. I don't understand this. Maybe you can help me. You're addicted to heroin. You're addicted to fentanyl. Whatever, whatever it is that, that, that your poison of choice, opioid poison here. Um, a couple of things can happen for you and to you. Did you know that you're eligible for Social Security disability because you're an addict? That's right. And wait, it gets better. If you say, I'm an addict, I'm a heroin addict, and I need help. The federal government pays for your treatment and gives you methadone while you're coming off of heroin. What is methadone? Does anybody out there know? I didn't know, so I found out. Methadone is another form of heroin. They just slowly decrease that dose. We have people out there buying pain pills to get high. They're ODing on opioids. Oh, no, no, we can't. We have people dying because of opioid addiction and they're overdosing. Let's, let's give them this medicine to counteract that overdose. Do you know who's paying for that? You're paying for that. How are you paying for that? Because your tax dollars is what's funding the Support for Patients and Communities Act. Now, I'm a bad man. Yes, I am. Because I believe in personal responsibility and accountability. UOD, first responders come by and they give you this shot of this, this counteracting medicine that counteracts opioids and you live. And then you OD again. You just get another shot. Hell, there's clinics out there that under this act will give the addict this medicine so they don't OD. I got a question for you because I work hard for my money. And I know you all out there do, do the same. Where do these people get the money to buy these opioids? fentanyl, the, the Norcos, the Lortabs, the prescription drugs, where do they get the money for that? If you're an addict, where are you getting your money? You ain't working any place. Somebody, somebody answer that question for me. And while we're at it, we're talking about communities, let's target some doctors. Let's target the doctors that are just handing these pills out willy-nilly. 
because they're getting kicked back from somebody somewhere. These so-called pain management clinics. I've seen them here in Houston. Oh, yeah. They need to be shut down, and I fully support shutting that down. That's an illicit drug trade. Let's do it. Let's shut it down. Let's target this opioid crisis so that we have control of this drug in our streets. But taking it away or making it so difficult for a chronic pain sufferer to get it is not going to work. We're not the ones that are causing the problems. Are you? Are you causing a problem for anybody? Sitting there taking your pain med just so you can function? I don't think so. I know a lot of veterans that are in chronic pain management programs. And they include a Memorad. Memorad, is that a word? Of, of therapies for the chronic pain. Yes, prescription drug narcotics are one of them. One component. Physical therapy is another. Monitoring by the doctor your exercise level. Oh, yeah. I do it, too. Absolutely. I wear a Fitbit. Anybody meets me? Look at my right hand. You'll see a Fitbit there. Because I have a minimum, minimum amount of steps that I have to do every single day. I have a minimum amount of physical activity, raising my heart rate, a day. And this Fitbit records it, sends it to my phone, and sends it to my doctor. So my doctor can monitor how this physical pain, this chronic pain, affects me and what I do. Because the more I move, the easier it is. But there comes a point during the day where I can't move anymore. My disability makes it so that if I walk too far or stand too long, my legs become paralyzed, temporary paralysis. I have neurogenic claudiation in all four of my limbs. Do you think that I stop? Yes, because there's things I can do and things I can't do. But taking away or making it so difficult to, to obtain the drugs that assist me is not going to help combat the opioid crisis in this country. Fentanyl. Do you all know what fentanyl is? Fentanyl is a synthetic opioid. It's not real. It doesn't come from poppies. It's synthetic. And it, it's, it will knock you on your butt. Some people that are much worse off than you and I have to have this fentanyl. It's called a pain patch. It's, it's, it sits on your skin like a, like, a, like a nicotine patch and slowly releases small amounts of, med, of this of fentanyl into the bloodstream over a 24-hour period or a week period or however long that particular patch is. Now, if the person is taking this fentanyl patch, the doctor has thoroughly vetted him and said he's not an addict or she's not an addict 
we're going to prescribe this for this condition because this helps the person be a person, allows them to be a contributing member of society. But we're going to take those away from, from him or her because, oh, it's an opioid. Opioids are bad. And this law that we're talking about here makes that possible. I want you to, to, to note this down. That on this day and time, I said this law is the stepping stone controlling you. Now, I believe that regardless of your disability, you should be a contributing member of society. That's my belief. Everybody can do something unless you're a drooling idiot. I offer up Stephen Hawkins, brightest man in the world. He got up and he thought about stuff all day long. You need to be a contributing member of society. And unfortunately, sometimes you need pain medication to do so. By closing our eyes as a country to the real threat of the opioid crisis is foolhardy. Now, you and I both know in our deep heart that we will never stop drugs on our street. It's a fallacy, the war on drugs. It's just a catchphrase because we're not going to stop it. That we'll be fighting it continuously over and over and over again. But this law that they wrote here, this law that our elected officials have put into, in, 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 into the, the legislation of this country does not target illicit drugs. It does not target where these drugs are coming from. No, instead it makes it difficult or near impossible for a doctor to treat his or her patients with the best medicine that they think in their medical opinion is the best course of treatment for this individual. Because pain management is highly personalized. And that's what this law affects. It affects your pain management. Now, if they can take away your pain management by saying, oh, well, we're fighting an opioid crisis, what else can they take away from you? Big question. Because this law is an attack on your liberties, on your rights, on your freedoms. This is a personal attack upon you. I like the thought of this, this bill, this, this law. I like the thought of what it is that they were trying to accomplish. What they were trying to accomplish is we're going to give communities more resources to, to fight the opioid, opioid crisis. That's what the main thought was. But they stopped thinking right there. And they started looking for easy answers. They started looking for the, for the glitter, for the shine out there. For something to make it look like they're actually doing something. So they took the easy route. They said, we're going to take opioids for those people who are using them 
that have been prescribed by their doctor, and we're going to make it more difficult for them to get. They're going to make it so that you have to go back to your doctor every week to get another prescription for an opioid. They're going to make it so that the medical community no longer wants to use that drug because the costs of them using that drug, prescribing that drug for you, has increased enormously. The manpower required now by the medical community to prescribe to you or give you an opioid has increased dramatically because of the hoops that they have to jump through in this law. That doesn't help fight this opioid crisis. Perhaps it'll help people in the future not get addicted to it. But it doesn't do a dang thing for a chronic pain sufferer. It makes his life or his her life worse than it is now. And that's what I'm upset about. I get upset and I get on my high horse and I talk about things that, that, that really, really upset me. Because I have this wonderful soapbox that we call Veterans Air. It allows me once a month to get on the air, on the radio, and, 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 and talk about things that, that just disturb me, that affect the veteran community. I'm going to fight this. I'm going to tell you what I, what I did first when uh, this was brought to my attention, because I didn't know this was brought to my attention. One of our listeners contacted me and said, hey, Doug, do you know about this? I called Congressman Kevin Brady's office last month, January, beginning of January. As a matter of fact, I think it was on like the 5th I called him. And uh, talked to his, his people there and raised my concerns about this public law. And I wanted to know what his thoughts were about this, what he thinks this is going to do. And I explained that, please, get back to me before today, this day's radio show, so I can put your comments in there. Because you, Congressman Kevin Brady, are supposed to be or have touted that you are the veteran's friend, that you advocate for veteran causes. His office has not gotten back to me over over a month for a uh, with a comment. Just wanted to put that out there. So I can't tell you what our congressman thinks about this, or how our congressman thought about this, because surely he must have had some input on this. Is that not what we elect him and send him to Washington for? To look out for you and me. Congressman Brady, if you're listening to this, by all means, please contact us here at Veterans Air. I'll give you a chance to tell your side of the story because maybe I am wrong. Maybe I'm just confused. Maybe I'm just a raving lunatic on the radio. But I don't think so. I think it's clear to me that this bill negatively affects veterans and their care providers. And this show is supposed to advocate for veterans and veteran causes. So when I see something like this, when a veteran brings this to my attention, it bothers me. It really, really does. Now, one of the things 
that this law is going to help us with. Let me give you some short titles of, of this, what it includes in here. Abuse deterrent access. Access to increased drug disposal. Advanced high-quality treatments for opioid use disorders in Medicare. CHIP Mental Health and Substance, Substance Use Disorder Parity Act. Empowering Pharmacists in the Fight Against Opioid Abuse Act. Oh, I love this. I love this because th this actually has happened. Empowering Pharmacists in the Fight Against Opioid Abuse. Let me tell you a little story. I get my prescriptions filled over at Kroger's. I walked in one day to get my prescription here for hydrocodone refilled. And not the pharmacist. No, 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 no. It wasn't the pharmacist who said this. It was one of the, the workers there that ring you up at the pharmacy. Saw the prescription and then talked to me about getting some help for my addiction. Yes, this little girl saw my prescription, was ringing it up, saw that it was hydrocodone, and said to me, would you like some help getting off your, addicted to, your addiction to opioids? I, I was shocked. I didn't know what to say. So I said, what do I, what I would like? So I would like to speak to the pharmacist, please. Pharmacist came over, took him to the side, told him what happened, and he said, yeah, yeah, that we have to do that now. It's a company policy. I'm a little bit upset that a Kroger cashier can make the determination that I'm addicted to opioids because I'm filling a prescription. Yes, yes, I am upset about it. Yes, absolutely. If the pharmacist comes to me and says, Hey, Doug, the amount of opioids that you're taking here, I just want to let you know what the side effects of this are. And for all of the other medications that you're taking, what type of reactions can you expect? I would welcome that. Why? Because my pharmacist my pharmacist, my doctor has said, I need to pass this information on to you. Not some cashier. Some of the other things that this thing does is it, it, it changes the way your prescriptions are covered and paid for by your private insurance. Oh yes, yes, yes. You see, I work. I believe that everybody needs to, needs to do something. And one of the things that I get from my work is I, I applied for and purchased um, a Medicare supplement. Because Medicare doesn't cover everything. So, I got this new new supplement because my, my plan that what it was on ended and I got a new one. It's from Aetna, by the way. 
went to go fill my prescription. The cashiers couldn't get it to ring up. Pharmacist comes over and he tries and he went, oh, wait, sorry, Mr. Burrell. You need to call your, your, your insurance company here, your Medicaid supplement. He said, okay, so I gave him a call. I asked him, what's up? And they said, there's a new law that went into effect. And, that, and because of that law, we can only cover a five-day supply. I said, okay, so I come back every five days to get a refill? Oh, no, 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 no. Under your plan, your Medicaid supplement plan, the agreement that we have, Aetna, with the federal government, with Medicare, says you have to go back and get a prescription each time. I said, I have to physically go there and get a new prescription every single time? They said, well, your doctor can submit it electronically after you have completed some paperwork for us to determine whether or not you're addicted to opioids. So I called my doctor. She's a very prominent doctor here in Conroe. A lot of veterans go see her. So I called her and I said, hey, did you know? And she said, yeah, I know. I was kind of expecting you. I said, okay, tell me what's going on. Well, when she writes a prescription, it costs her $5 as a minimum to write the prescription. $5. Paid fee because she has to write it. Not that she gets it, but she has to pay $5 to be able to write that prescription for an opioid. And then I have to, before she can do any prescriptions for me, continuing prescriptions for, for an opioid, I have to go in to fill out this paperwork, these forms that tell me that I will become an addict if I continue to use this opioid. And then that gets put in a database, and my responses to these questions get put in a database someplace, and somebody somewhere is going to do it. I'm not quite sure how this uh, this screening act is what it called is uh, going to to help me in any way be out of pain. Now it's not all not bad. It's all not bad. Um, inside of this act, they've did a uh, did a couple of things that we've been asking for actually, because we all have um, unused medications, and every year. We listen intently to see where we can turn these in because we just don't want to throw them away or flush them down the toilet. We know that's bad. But there's only one place to do it, and it's only once a year. Well, this, this new law that comes into effect has uh, come up with or it will give communities grants to come up with a way to safely dispose of unused medications. There's, in this law, also funds available to communities to stop, explicit, explicit, uh, to stop illegal drug importation. And that's good, because communities can apply for these grants, and if they have a great enough need for it and the grant writer is good enough to write these, 
um, they can get funds to stop illicit drugs. There's a word, illicit. Illicit drug importations into their community. Now, I have not personally seen any dealers in Conroe, but I know there has to be some. And I know that the police force probably knows where that trade happens. With additional funds, they can do things to stop this importation. So this law in and of itself is not totally bad. There's some good points in there. And the thought behind it was excellent. The problem is they went a little too far and thought the problem was a chronic pain sufferer. And now your pharmacist and your doctor looks at you as an addict and you're not. You just happen to be in pain. Now me, I've done something that I'm going to regret. I know for a fact that I'm going to regret that because I'm a little upset if you can't tell by the tone of my voice. I'm just, I'm just not the happy self that I am. Because I see the writing on the wall with opioids prescriptions in this country. So I am slowly but surely weaning myself off of opioids, not taking them. Now I've been doing this for a month. And I saw my, uh, my uh, doctor and the doctor said, hey, there's a reason why I prescribe these for you. Even as much danger as you're in, the, 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 the badness that it's doing to your internal organs, not taking them hurts you worse, causes more damage to you than if you take them. So I don't know what I'm going to do. But I wanted to let you, my good listener, know about this law. And I, I really, really encourage you to do some research. I will get the links up to this law to you really quickly. But I want you to start talking to your doctors. I want you to start talking to your pharmacist. I want you to start talking to your insurance company and determine how this is affecting you. I don't see good things coming out of this for a chronic pain sufferer. And I think that we need to advocate for ourselves. All right, I'm almost out of time. So I'm going to wrap it up here. But I'm going to tell you that I appreciate you contacting me those people that contacted me over this and wanted to know more about it. And I send out a personal invitation to our congressmen, our senators, and even our local representatives here in Texas to feel free to contact me, 936-344-3083, and let's open up a discussion about how this is affecting the veteran community. I encourage that. I will have you on this show. Anytime that you want. So that about wraps it up. Oh, no, wait. February 14th, guys and gals, remember, February 14th, show the one that you love some love. Go get them a nice card. Hey, if it's a guy, if it's a woman, it's a veteran, go buy them a weapon. They want one. Go get them some ammo. Send some flowers to your sweetie. It's, it's Valentine's Day, February 14th. All right, that's it. Dick's about to tell me I'm out of time. So, until next month, I want you to stay safe, stay vigilant. I'm going to leave you with this song, the warrior song, as I always do. And while we listen to this, 
I want to want you to remember our brothers and sisters in uniform that today are standing in harm's way to protect our freedoms and our liberties. If you are wearing the uniform and you're listening to this, I want to tell you thank you. I want to tell you I'm proud of you. Until next month, stay safe and stay vigilant. This is Veterans Air. Just...